Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast After Sight. I am your host, Penn Street. And I definitely want to give a couple of shout outs of some upcoming things that are happening at Audio Information Network of Colorado. AINC has some new original podcasts coming out. Blind Sight, which you definitely want to check out, it has launched. Bill Lundgren is the host, and he dives into all things mental health. We also are going to continue with our topic of the month, and October is advocacy. Check out the podcast, all of the resources and services that we are providing, and you can do that on our website at aincolorado.org. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary with Aftersight. I can't believe it. It has been just a whirlwind of a year. Um, So many incredible, incredible voices and stories have been on here. I'm so very proud of all the work that we've done. And you definitely want to stay tuned for our very special guest on that podcast. It's somebody who has been a hero and mentor to me um, for most of my adult life. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Today's guest is Kristen Parker. And Kristen is coming to us from Texas. And Kristen is a professional Braille and graphic arts transcriber. And Kristen, um, you know, she turned to Braille um, in a very unusual way. So I'm, I'm excited for all of you to learn her story. Not only does she change the world with her skills by transcribing Braille, Braille really, really changed her world in a way that is very unexpected. So stay tuned and we'll be right back with Kristen. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit aincolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit aincolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Penn. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's um, beginning to feel like fall outside, so the weather's the weather's changing, so it's beautiful out. So, Kristen, I you know I I don't know if you've listened to Aftersight before, but I start off the show with some of you know just quick fire questions so that our audience can get to know you just a little bit better before we dive in. Is that okay with you? Oh, sure. <laughs> And there's no reason to be nervous. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I I know that's easy for me to say. It's harder to do. Um, Kristen, are you a morning person or a night person? Oh, goodness. Most definitely a night person. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. And being a mom, I'm sure that's hard. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. My kids always like to get up at the crack of dawn, no matter what I wanted to do. Oh my goodness. Yes. Our son, Gabriel, he's uh, a little over two. He'll be two and a half in December. And here lately, he's been getting up at like five in the morning, six in the morning. And he's just like, mama, dada. I'm like, Hey, baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> go back to sleep, baby boy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, mine, but mine, mine were the same ways. Every day is a blessing with him. So I'm really grateful. Oh, I, I love his name. Um, when I was really little, I, I don't even think I was 10 years old. I was in a play for our church and I played the um, angel Gabriel. Um, and I still remember my, the, um, you know, my little tiny, you know, what, six second speech that I had to give. So he always became one of my favorite angels. So I love, love Gabriel. Thank so, you. That, that's you, great. Yes. I, I mean, we, we had no idea when we found out I was pregnant, we didn't have any names picked out for boys or girls. And, uh, that one night that name came to me, like that name was the first name oh. that it came to me. and so. Like wow. from then on, Gabriel was Gabriel and we, he was oh. named after the Lord's archangel. So, oh. it, it, you know, it, he's just such an intelligent, beautiful, bright little boy. He's such a happy baby oh. and I'm really oh. just amazed by him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I spoke, um, maybe it was a few weeks ago with Sam Morris, one of my guests. And we talked about how beautiful it is watching small children because everything is so new and fresh. And it's, um, and it's, us as adults should pay attention to that and try to create that space in our own worlds that everything is fresh and new and, and act like you're doing it for the first time. Exactly. That, that moment of wonder, everything is so full of awe and wonder. You know, it's a lot of things that as adults we forget about. And yeah, ex exactly. Like trying to visualize or think about how things might be through the eyes of a child is such a different mindset. Mm. And so I find myself trying to do that, you know, and <laughs> I, yeah. I can't exactly get it like he does, but I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. a really neat concept. <laughs> It is. It is. Okay. My next rapid fire question is, do you feel yourself that you test the waters or do you dive right in? Sometimes a little bit of both. Um, mm. You know, I'm one of those people that have always uh, liked to have a plan, <laughs> but sometimes, yeah. sometimes in life, uh, we are given presented with situations, whether it's in life or work or anything of that nature where you can't plan for it. So you can either, right. you know, deal with life on life's terms or, you know, kind of fall by the wayside. And I tend to most of the time deal with life on life's terms. And that's not something that mm -hmm. I learned when I was growing up. It's something that I learned maybe about 10 years ago or so. And okay. because of that, it's, I feel that it's given me the better tools to equip myself to make better decisions in my life and to just deal with things that might freak out some people, you know, like being a mom yeah. and having a young child, Yeah. you know, if Gabriel falls yeah. and scrapes his knee, you know, or if he falls, yeah. you know, sometimes people can tend to be a little bit overprotective and might freak out, but yeah. I just tend to be like, okay, okay, little man, come on. You know, if if his knee is bleeding, let's get that <laughs> cleaned up. You're okay. Mommy loves you. You know, and yeah, that's just, that may be a poor example, but 
you know, I just... No, that's a great example. I just try to deal with things as they come with a level head. Yeah. Easier said than done sometimes. But (laughs) (laughs) as I'm sure you can attest, being a mom too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, this is a fun question. Do you like crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Creamy. I like the smooth, the smoothness of the peanut butter taste in my mouth. I know that sounds, mm. I know that sounds weird, <laughs> but there's just something about smooth peanut butter. That's it's interesting because I love crunchy. Like I, I love the texture, and I don't know if that's because because I'm visually impaired. Everything texture is so important to me. But even with food, I I prefer it to have like crunchiness and texture and like even ice cream. Like I love when it has like nuts and stuff in it. Oh yeah. Uh, Where my husband, yeah. But my husband who is a professional photographer, he, he he cannot stand um, like text, like his ice cream. He wants (laughs) it smooth and creamy and like guacamole. I like when guacamole has chunks in it. (laughs) He doesn't, he likes it almost whipped. And then same thing with his ice cream. He just wants, (laughs) it all to be one texture so yeah so it's always it's always interesting and i always wonder if if that has to do with what's going on in other parts of your life or if it's just nope you just like crunchy peanut butter over creamy (laughs) right (laughs) so it's it's always interesting okay so this one i i think i know the answer but i'm going to ask it anyway oh good would you rather hang out hang out with children or with senior citizens I would rather, man, see, that's a, that's a hard question because <laughs> you can gain, one of the things I like and like is learning and you can learn yeah. so much from children, you know, just watching them, how they interact. Like, uh, we just moved to this suburb outside of Fort Worth called White Settlement and it's like a smaller town, but it's not in the country. It's kind of on the outskirts right. of Fort Worth and there's a little park. Well, Gabriel was born in the middle of the pandemic, so we didn't have a lot of interaction with children, you know, didn't have birthday parties because a lot of things were closed down. Well, there's a little toddler play area that we've been taking our son to, my husband and I have been taking our son to in the evenings when it's a little bit, uh, it's cooled off a little bit. And Gabriel has been playing, he ends up, we run into this little girl and who's a about a year and a half older than him, but he's been playing with her and it is just so amazing <laughs> to see him learn because he tries to copy her, you know? So, oh, right. but at the same time, even at a little over two, he's being a gentleman, like he'll take her hand and walk oh. with her or, you know, let her go first down the slide or just something. Oh. And it's so cute to watch him and learn, you know, simple things from just how he interacts with others. But also in the case of elderly people, you can learn so much about their life and what they went through because so many people don't take the time to think about our, our elders. Yeah. So actually I like to hang out with both. (laughs) (laughs) See, your happy place would be a, a group of senior citizens with uh, with little ones wandering around. Exactly. <laughs> a family reunion yeah, or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I do agree with your comment about seniors. Um, I, I 
I am very lucky that I get to work with them. And oh my, I, whenever I have the opportunity to sit down and have conversations with them and their advice um, and their stories, and um, it's, it's, it's a gift when I get the opportunity to do that. Because I think, you know, and I'm definitely older than you are, but I remember being young and, and, you know, my elders would say, you know, oh, you know, you think that you're the only one who's ever gone through this, you know? <laughs> and and right. of course, when you're young, you're like, well, yeah, I am because, you know, I'm the center of the earth, right? <laughs> um, but, but as you get older, you realize you look back on those conversations like I do with my parents and grandparents and go, Oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You know. Okay, so this is one of my favorite favorite questions because music is very important to me. Oh. Is if you have <laughs> If you, Jonathan warned you, didn't he? Um, <laughs> is if if you have a theme song, what would it be? <laughs> I love this question. It's the best question ever. Um my favorite band <laughs> is Breaking Benjamin and Mm. My my theme song would be, they have a song uh, that came out on their album, Dear Agony, and it's called I Will Not Bow. And the chorus oh. is very, I relate so much to music and so much to lyrics. And the chorus is my theme song because, you know, it talks about, oh. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Breaking Benjamin. Sometimes people are. I'm not. Okay. I'm not, but I, that's one of the reasons I love asking this question because it introduces me to bands or singers that, I, that I'm not aware of. So I'll definitely look them up. Oh yes. Uh, their, their chorus goes, I will not bow. I will not break. And, you know, I really feel like that has been applicable to so many areas of my life because I've gone through some things in my life that others might not have gone through. And Instead of choosing to let it take me down a dark path, I chose to learn from it and better myself. Mm. And wow, I'm just super grateful that I am oh. at where I'm at today. <laughs> That's awesome. So we'll make sure that um, we will put a link to that song on our podcast notes so that everybody can can listen to it because I, I know it's going to be one of the first things I do <laughs> this afternoon is, is, um, is download that and, and listen to it because oh. it, it sounds amazing. I, I have a quote that an incredible teacher, um, told me many, many years ago, and it's, I would rather die standing than live on my knees. And exactly. it kind of goes along with what you were saying, you know, and yeah, I can't, I can't wait to listen to it. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much for um, bearing with me with my with my, the way I start my podcast. Um, and now, Kristen, I know. Uh, first of all, first, thank you for doing this because I know it's taken a lot of courage for you to come on today. It was something you were nervous about, and I'm always in awe of people when something scares them, but they do it anyway. So I, I really, really appreciate that. And also I'm a big advocate for Braille. I've actually lobbied in Washington, DC to make sure that Braille continues to get taught in schools because yes, there was actually a time not too long ago that 
they were thinking about stopping teaching Braille because we have things like audio, right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. And so when we lobbied, we're like, okay, if you're not going to teach blind children Braille, then we, you don't need to teach sighted children how to read either. And of course they were like, no, 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 we could never do that. And I'm like, well, then you cannot take Braille away from, from children who that is the only way they can read. So I, first of all, I want to thank you for what you do because it's something that gives us access um, to the printed word, just like we do here at AINC by creating these audio files. But there is nothing like opening the page of a book and being able to actually read it, even though that's in Braille versus the cited print. Um, it's it's such a gift that you have given um, to to the world. And I hope you really understand that and how much that people like me really, really, really appreciate that. Sorry. And so, Kristen, <laughs> that's okay. Oh, I hope I'm not upsetting you. No, no. It's, 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 just, it's just touching. I'm not trying to interrupt and I'm not trying to oh, a boss hog. It's just touching because I love what no, I do no. so much. And I love being able yeah. to help children, the visually impaired children and adults learn. And I just love it. I mean, there's, yeah, and I've never been been told that by anyone that oh. is visually impaired. And I, you know, I've always hoped that uh, it has, you know, helped everyone, but it's just night. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm all oh, but over it's, here. <laughs> I can't, oh, I can't believe I'm the first person to say that to you because you've been doing it for quite a while. Um, well, Kristen, I know that you learned the skill, which it is a huge undertaking. Um, well, you were, um, to, and, and also I wanted you to talk talk a little bit about the graphic arts part of what you do as well. And I know that you learned these skills while you were incarcerated in a women's prison. Could you share a little bit about what took you to that place? But also not just that, but how you chose to get into that Braille program because, um, and the reason I'm asking this is because um, I have guide dogs um, and my very first guide dog, Gina, was actually trained in a women's prison. And then the guide dog that I have right now, Beethoven, which a lot of people know, Beethoven, mm-hmm. um, he was also um trained uh, puppy raised in a uh, women's prison in Georgia. And so, and then I also belong to Lions Club International. And I know that there's a program in one of the prisons here in Colorado that helps sort those glasses that all those thousands of thousands of glasses people donate and they prepare them to go out to other countries. So I know there's like lots of programs that are offered. Um, but but I would if you don't mind sharing like how did you how did you end up where you were and then also why why did you choose Braille? Um, let's see. Without going into long drawn drawn out details, I when I was young when I was younger, I made uh, some very poor choices in my life. You know, uh, I'm 42 right now, and when I was in my 20s, I made some poor decisions. And I didn't think them through. 
And as a result of my poor decision making, I was uh, I was given a, a prison sentence of ten years. I'd never been in trouble wow. in my life. I knew I didn't know anything. I thought it was like the Shawshank Redemption and Law and Order. I mean, I went in there expecting oh to have you know like iron bars and people clinking cups and all kinds of stuff. I didn't yeah. know anything. You know, I was naive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had hung out with the wrong group, wrong group of people. And several of them had been incarcerated and gone to prison and gotten out. But since I was young, I had the mindset, not that I was better than anybody by any means, but that it would never happen to me because I was somehow right. like, not that I was invincible, that, and not even that I was smarter, but I was just in denial that, you know, following a wrong life, uh, destructive lifestyle would never happen to me. Well, it did. Right. And uh, yeah. it completely, it blindsided me. And I never, like I said, I'd never been in trouble before. I was a first time, they call it in Texas, inmates are called offenders. Uh, I was a first time offender. And, you know, had never been on probation, never had a misdemeanor, anything. Heck, I hadn't even had wow. a parking ticket, a parking ticket, pardon me. Wow. And so yeah. when I was given that, I was 29. I didn't come home until I was 38. I did over nine and a half years, wow. day for day. And not because I was wow. a troublemaker, but because in Texas, uh, the the parole board can approve or deny you. And I had to do five years day for day before I saw parole and I kept getting denied. Um, mm. They do that to a lot of people that they don't think are going to come back. that don't have previous records for whatever reason they deem necessary because I didn't get in trouble. I just wanted to learn from my mistakes and come home. Uh, right. While I was incarcerated or before I was incarcerated, I had an associate's degree. When I arrived at the women's prison, because I had an associate's degree, that made me ineligible to go to the school building and learn, take any uh, classes to further my my learning. Uh, I was able to get into the women's prison braille program on the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. And the warden, you have to have one of your family members uh, call in and speak to the warden to see about getting you in there. It's not like you can just write a letter or, you know, oh, wow. stop them or call them yourself because in a prison situation, you don't have access to those things. Um, right. So my mother called and I was able to get into the prison braille program in Gatesville, Texas at the Mountain View unit. And it changed my life. Now, initially, wow. I didn't understand. I struggled and I struggled because <laughs> I, I just couldn't get it. And, you know, I, I yeah. prayed and I would come home and I would cry and because I wanted so badly to understand, but I just didn't. Mm. And I prayed one night. You didn't understand the the basics of the Braille cells or uh, like what were you not understanding? Just how a Braille cell is set up. You know, with dots, oh, okay. uh, one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, we were learning the alphabet <laughs> yeah. and I just, I couldn't, yeah. I just couldn't grasp it. And yeah, one night I went home and I prayed 
And then overnight, it was like a door, like a key unlocked in my brain. When I went back to the Braille Uh program, I understood everything. Letters A through Z, punctuation, you know, everything. And uh, two cell contractions, short form words, you know, single letter alphabet contractions, the whole full Monty. It was like it had all been divinely revealed while I was asleep. And that is how I know that braille and helping the visually impaired and stuff like that is what I'm supposed to be doing because I take so much joy and I love my job, you know, whether it's a, like a young child, like kindergarten, pre-K or, you know, a a grown adult doing pre-med classes. I take so much joy in just trying to do the best job possible and trying to help them because I, I, that's just how I am. That's where my heart is today. You know, something that was yeah. meant to be for evil. I turned around and I studied really, really hard. And it was, it changed my life. It Something was meant for evil turned out to be good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing to me hearing you talk because... I did not learn Braille until I was, I was sort of introduced to it in elementary school, but not really. I lost my vision when I was nine. So I was already reading print and, but they did think that I was going to lose my vision a hundred percent. So they wanted me to learn Braille and I was the same way. Like, I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) Like, this is like magic, right? This it's, um. But it was once I got it, and it really was like this, like you said, the key unlocking the door, um, it all made sense. And once it made sense to me, it, I, was, I was hungry to learn more and more and more. And the way I approach Braille, and I still do to this day, is that it's a foreign language. And if, you think, if I think of it that way, it makes sense. But if I think of it and try to compare it to the English printed words, then then I get lost. But if I think of it as like its own entity and its own language, then it's like, I get it. Um, I'm not a, because I didn't learn it as a really young child, it wasn't my first language, you could say. Um, I'm not as fast as a, at it as I have friends like Evan, who works for AINC, uh, he, he reads Braille faster than most people read print. And I, w- I would love to be at that point, but, but I, I don't think so in my life because I don't rely 100% on Braille. But you've inspired me to you know, sharpen some of those skills because I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to keep this residual vision. Um, but it really is a life changer for kids to learn Braille. Cause I've been around small children and they, um, when they're learning Braille and it is like, it's magic, right? It's, um, it's like they finally can connect and can communicate um, like the other kids that are around them. And I've also seen blind parents who read um, children's stories that are in Braille to their sighted 
children. And that is a beautiful thing because without Braille, there's no way that blind parent could have that. I'm sure you read to Gabrielle, right? Oh, yeah. Um, And how special. And how special that is. Well, imagine if you were blind and you didn't have access to Braille, you couldn't do that amazing part of their learning and that laying down that foundation. So again, what you are doing, like you, you like, and one of the reasons I really wanted to interview you is that you were changed. Your life was changed and enriched by Braille, but yet you are enriching and changing lives of every single person that has access to what you do. And and it's like that ripple effect. And I love how you said, you know, you took something that was evil and you turned it into this, I mean, literally bright light um, that you're shining across the world. So it's, it's, I really hope you understand. (laughs) How important what you do is not just to me, but I'm sure to a lot of our listeners around the world who who either read Braille or teach Braille or have any interaction with somebody who has Braille, um, because we need so many more people like you. Because if we don't continue to have people like you, Braille is going to die, which means. All of those kids and even adults. I have, I've worked with senior citizens in their 80s that started learning Braille. Um, and so I just can't imagine a world without Braille. And, but it's going to happen if more people don't become transcribers like you. So I hope, you know, I, I can see you not only doing what you do, but also teaching the next generation of transcribers. I would love that. I'm trying, you know, (laughs) whenever, sorry, I was a little teary there. Um, Whenever people ask me what I do and I tell them, you know, they're like, that's, that's so cool because a lot of people will, uh, you know, have never met someone that trans transcribes Braille. Uh, A lot of people will ask me where I learned it. And depending upon the situation uh, or who I'm talking to, I might or might not go as in depth as I did with you, because believe it or not, a lot of people, there's a lot of negative stereotyping. And a lot Mm. of people think, you know, once a troublemaker or once someone got in trouble, even though mine was back in 2008, uh, you know, they tend to group all the people that are still causing trouble together. But more often than um, not, I'm honest about where I learned it because it did change yeah. my life. Not everyone has to continue to follow down a bad path. And yeah, I, you know, I encourage people, I'll try to tell them, look, you can go to the library of Congress, you know, and you can learn yeah. the lessons for free. I was like, we need more transcribers and I'm always yes. trying to recruit people. <laughs> You know, if they show interest in, you know, asking me what I do for a living and, you know, I've been blessed to work with a lot of great agencies and, you know, they feel the same way that I do. And so we're all uh, actively trying to get more people into Braille because just like you said, without people to produce the books, yeah. Braille become obsolete and that's never I never want technology oh. I never want technology 
with the advancements that are coming out every day, whether it's a screen reader or, you know, different audio things. Yeah. I would always, I could only imagine, shall we say, that if I was visually impaired, that I'd want to read books to my children. You know, I'd want to, I'd want to learn yeah. stuff myself. It's fine to have someone sit down and, you know, read stuff out, but nothing can take away the satisfaction of knowing you did something on your own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so like you had mentioned, you know, something like a pre-K or book for a kindergartner, which is in grade one Braille, um, which is for those who don't know, it's like, so like the word and, A-N-D, well, in Braille, it would be A-N-D, like it's it's three cells. Um, but then you then you go into grade two Braille where it's one Braille cell for the whole word and. Um, but then there's also like you were like you do books for chemistry students <laughs> or pre-med students. And I know there's even um, special Braille for music. You know, there's it. Braille is not. Um, it, Braille is as complicated as the printed word is. Oh, yeah. and a lot of people people don't know that. And um, like a lot of children, that they, they I don't know if they do this anymore, but they were not tr- teaching grade one Braille. They were just jumping into grade two Braille, which is the contractions. Um, for words. And I, I didn't really agree with that because I think learning that like a word like and, A-N-D, is actually made up of three letters versus Braille, it, it breaks it down to basically it's one. And so I think that it's good to teach people grade one Braille first before going into grade two, do you do you have a philosophy how you feel about that? I think it's important uh, for them, for any child or adult, if they wish to learn Braille, to be taught the full spectrum, starting with individual okay. letters, just like you said, you know, grade one, later on grade two, but don't rob someone, you know, don't try to just in my humble opinion, uh, throw someone into contractions and things of that nature, because maybe like myself, when I was learning and was having a hard time with the learning the cells and stuff, maybe they might get frustrated because maybe they can't seem to grasp it. And, you know, you don't want to, Braille is such a gift. It is such an amazing, wonderful gift that I would hate for any child or adult to get so frustrated that they just put it off or give up. Right. And, yeah, you know, I, I would hate that. So my answer to your question would be, I would really feel just like you do, that they learn, you know, starting with the ABCs, starting with the alphabet, yeah, learning uncontracted Braille, which is also is grade one, you know, just yes. starting with the basics and then working up to the contractions because the contractions will yeah. still be there. Kristen, what is, what's your favorite thing to Braille? (laughs) I tend to specialize (laughs) in math, science, and chemistry. I really, 
Oh, wow. I really sucked at those subjects in like school, <laughs> but there's something <laughs> about brailing them. I mean, I have no idea how to answer some long question that has Greek variables and things or some long chemical structure, but it's so much yeah. fun brailing it. Oh my goodness. I mean, especially uh, if you're doing uh, brailing a physical chemical structure, such as in chemical notation, like uh, UEB Nimitz or old school chemical yeah. notation, or even UEB technical. It is so much fun yeah. because they end up looking like the little space invader guys from the Atari game back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and you you had also mentioned that you do graphic art for that you emboss for embossing how does how does that work or is that part of what you're like i know with um the books that you transcribe especially at university level do you mean that those types of graphs or are you talking about different kind of graphics um i use for my graphic software i use corel draw and I have a okay. I have a template uh, that we use, and so I'm able to. It has uh, just like the same amount of dots you would have on a on a regular piece of braille paper. It would be 40 cells across and 25 lines down, with the, mm -hmm. the same margins as a piece of braille paper, same marginal dimensions. And I am able to draw. Whether pretty much whatever is needed, you know, if it's a lower grade book, there's sometimes a lot of concept maps and thought bubbles or graphic organizers where there's usually a circle with little lines pointing to other circles, or it could be oh. uh, a Cartesian map, you know, in, in calculus or uh, another higher level math, or it could be chemistry where it's things uh, like chemical structures and um, orbitals or things of that nature. So oh, pretty right. much it's looking at an image and where sighted people might see it as being very 3D, you know, and multifaceted. You have to think right. of a way to strip it down where it would teach the material but not be as confusing, you know, to someone who is visually impaired. And when I say that, I mean, obviously... Right unless you had like a 3d printer, you know, that could print something out where you could, you know, give verbal descriptions as of this is this, this is that. Right. Uh, it's not able to reproduce something so intense, a, gra a super intense graphic, the same way that a sighted person. Right. Would see. Do people ask you one off questions like, Oh, could you do this for me? <laughs> I've never, I mean, not, not designing business cards or logos or anything like I'll have, I'm the type of person where I like to pay it forward. You know, I like to help oh. others. If someone calls me and asks me a question about Braille or, Hey, you know, like I had a friend that was doing a, a German book and she asked me to draw some uh, maps of certain places in Germany. Sure. No problem. Oh, how much are you going to charge? Nothing friend. It's on, it's free. I just want to uh -huh. help you. And it's not about, oh. for me, it's about helping other people. It's not so much about, you know, trying to capitalize on anything. It's just about uh -huh. helping people. Right, right, right. Well, that's that's wonderful. We need more Kristens out there. <laughs> I wish. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> Do you ever get to meet any of the students or the persons that you get to transcribe for? And if so, what what's that like? I have never been privileged, and I say privileged because oh. I consider it an honor to be able to do work for any child or adult. I've never been privileged to meet any of them. I just wow. Uh, I just do the best job that I possibly can, and hope that it brings them as much joy in helping them learn as I enjoyed translating the material into Braille for them. That 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 right there shows how unselfish you are because there's not very many people that would have a dedicated career that never knew what that outcome was. Like you like you show up, you do your work and you do it from your heart and you you know, you know, like I probably am never even going to know what this outcome is, um, but you, you just keep doing it. And that's so amazing. So what, what keeps you motivated, Kristen, since, since you don't even get thanked for what you're doing, what keeps you getting, what keeps you motivated? What keeps me motivated is since becoming a mom, I try to think, how would I feel if Gabriel was visually impaired? You know, whether it be mm. he needs large print, uh, partial vision, no vision. I try to look at it from that perspective. And I also try to look at yeah. it from being, you know, 42. That being said, everything I do, I try to think of how it might affect someone else. Like in regards to mm. if I was a mother of a visually impaired child, I'd want that child to have the same advantages and same quality of work that sighted children get. Uh, if I was an adult yeah. uh, going to college or, you know, going to a local Starbucks or going to a, a restaurant, you know, and ordering from a menu, I'd want to know that everything on there was correct and of quality and not just mm. mishmash thrown together. You know, my goal is yeah. to try to produce the best quality work that I can to make it so visually impaired people have the same advantages, no matter what age you are, that the sighted people have. Oh, wow. It, it's so unusual for me to hear that from somebody who is sighted. Like, it's so rare because I would say that, of course, because this is my life. You know, this is so I, I live <laughs> this life. And, but to have somebody who is sighted to actually grasp that, that is so rare. So again, you know, your, your superstar status continues to rise in my book. So <laughs> I really, really like that. Thank you. I, I just consider myself a really big dork who loves breaking Benjamin coffee and Braille. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a goal that more people should have. Um, so, so Kristen, what, what would you like your legacy to be? As someone who might have started out making poor decisions and poor choices, but in the end, learned so much about helping others. And I would just want, I'd want, like, if, if I were to leave, you know, today, shall we say, I want those that know me to be proud of me 
and not say, you know, well, Mm -hmm. she made some mistakes in her life and, you know, she never learned anything. I would want those in my life to be proud of me and know that I had changed my life around and just how much of an honor I feel like it is to be able to help others learn. Oh, sweetie. Well, I think that's done. Um, I think you can check that box off. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what's next for you, Kristen? Um, Eventually one day I plan to, I don't have an embosser. So I plan to save up one day and get an embosser. Um, Mm -hmm. And just continue to learn. I have four certifications. Uh, I'm certified in eBay 5th edition, the UEB Canada. I did the UEB proficiency letter, you know, from eBay. And I'm certified in Nimeth. And I'm also on the Bannett Ad Hoc Committee on Chemistry. And I drew the chemistry graphics for that. So we're about to... Wow. Uh, get that into the publication committee so the updated version of the Banna Chemistry Codebook can come out. My goal is just, just to continue to learn and strive to do the best job I can so that I can help as many visually impaired children and adults as I'm allowed to help. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, Kristen, how do people um, learn more about you and, and connect with you? Uh, my email address is the letter K is in koala, M is in Mary, E is in egg, T is in Tom, Z is in zebra, and the number 198 at gmail.com. Great. And again, we'll put that in the podcast notes. And then you're also, they can look for you on LinkedIn. I, I found you on LinkedIn, I think last night and um, connected with you. So that also shares your how people can connect with you as well, because you're, you're working as a um, contractor, right? You were, you work for yourself. You're not, you, I know you've worked with different organizations, but right now you're working for yourself. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, I am an independent contractor and, uh, and graphics artist. That's great. That's great. So yeah, anybody out there has connections, um, needs Braille. You send them, send them Kristen's way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kristen, another reason your story really resonated with me is I, I have an older brother who was in the prison system pretty much from really young teenager. Um, and he was one of those, um, I don't repeat offenders or whatever. I don't know what they're called. Um, just every time he would get out, um, he wasn't out. Usually it was less than a year um, and he was back in the system and it did not matter what my parents did or didn't do. It didn't matter what his siblings did or didn't do. It's just, he never, um, he never broke that, you know, it was just, it was so integrated in, in his life and nobody outside of him could change him. And, um, you know, he, he's not incarcerated right now, but that's because of medical things, which I didn't know that that until it happened with him, that, um, if you reach a certain critical medical status, um, a lot of times the prison system will let you out because they, they don't want to deal with it. So he's, that's where he is in his situation. I, I don't foresee him living much longer. 
um, because of this, but it always broke my heart as his little sister that he, he just couldn't change. He couldn't find something in his life that gave him joy so that he, he wanted to, you know, kind of draw him to the outside versus the inside. And, um, so I've seen the opposite happen in my personal life where that was the opposite of you, where you, you know, you, you made, like you said, you made those poor decisions and, and I can tell in your voice, um, in your tone that you did and you honor that and you did your time, um, they, that was, you know, given to you, even though that seems just insane to me, the length that they gave you. But I know Texas is very harsh on on people in prison. And but yet there you were and you you looked at Braille and you looked at how you could make other people's lives better. And here you are married and you have this beautiful little angel, um, little boy. And I I just I want you to know how much I understand how hard that must have been, um, and I'm so thankful you did it so that you can be part of not just my life, but so many other people's lives. Thank you. It was a journey. I mean, nobody, nobody in their life decides, you know, hey, I want I wanted to make a bad choice and land there. I mean, I never thought that, you know, it's not something... You think about as a little girl growing up, you know, um, but instead of letting it keep me rooted in the ashes, I chose to rise up from it. And I just, I had to, I was one of the people where I just wouldn't get it. And I had to physically be removed so that I could straighten myself out voluntarily take classes to learn more about myself and why I made the decisions I did so that I didn't, I didn't want to get out and have history repeat itself in any way, shape or form. I just wanted to get out and try to, you know, help other people and not move on with my life because that doesn't sound right. But I mean, just get out and try to do the best that I can. There's a quote I came up with when I was there and it said, uh, never let your future be held hostage by your past. Ooh. Oh, I love that. And what I'm, what I mean is nothing is, I'm not proud of the choices that I made in the past, but I do my best to not let them define the woman that I am today. Yeah. Yeah. And what a wonderful example that is going to be for Gabriel as he grows up and because that's something not all parents can give their children and that is definitely something you'll be able to give him. Kristen, I, I just so appreciate you coming on today. I always give the opportunity to my guests to ask me a question. Um, anything's on the table. Um, it's always surprising to me what people ask me, but I've been asking you question after question. And do you have a question for me? What is your favorite thing to read in Braille? My absolute favorite thing to read in Braille is children's stories to my grandchildren. And yes, I'm a grandmother. They call me oh. Nana. Oh, um, that's what they call my, Gabriel calls my mom Nana. Oh, really? <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and I often will request children's books from um, the Colorado Talking Book Library, which is the part of the Library of Congress. And just because now they're getting older, uh, one of them is still little enough that you can read to him, but the other ones are getting older and they are now because, you know, they're nine and ten. So they want to read to me which is, is a is beautiful in itself. And, but I, I love the simplicity and also it takes less brain power (laughs) for me to read a children's book. So I would definitely say that that's a great question. So, well, Kristen, I want to thank you again so much for having the courage to come on today and the courage of, of facing everything that you have faced when we named our podcast After Sight, it, it is because we wanted people to know that there is life after sight, but that means a lot to a lot of different people. But it basically, it's there is life after you know you get knocked down or you face a challenge or something has happened in your life that was unexpected that you didn't plan for. Um, or hope for or ever even want to happen but there's life after that you know we all we all get we all get knocked down but it's it's what we do when we get back up that matters and so that's why we even we call this podcast after sight and you are definitely and definitely an example of that and we all here at AINC and on the podcast want to wish you the very 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 best and let you know that we are so thrilled at what you continue doing so thank you thank you thank you no thank you it's been a real honor being able to be a guest on your podcast i was like holy cow i was (laughs) i was so excited i was talking to my mom and my husband and everyone was so excited for me because they know how much i love braille and and how big of a passion it just is for me and so i'm so grateful to be a guest on your show Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Kristen. And I also always, I want to thank Audio Information Network of Colorado. Um, It's been a ride. (laughs) It's been a ride um, this last year. And I want to thank each and every one of you. I I get to do the fun part, which is I get to talk to these most, the most beautiful, amazing people on the planet here on the podcast, just like Kristen. But it's all of you who do the hard work behind the scenes and, and don't get recognized. So thank you all. Um, you know, everybody from Rosanna at the front desk, who um, is just an incredible human being, Kim, our executive director, uh, you know, Matt, running your tail off for me constantly. Evan, you make me sound good. <laughs> and you're such a great friend and you inspire me each and every day. Alex, I wish I had my my life together, the way you have it together at such a young age. Um, Jonathan, you're the one who put this podcast way above where I ever thought it was going to be. And Lauren, you know, welcome. Welcome to the team. You're new, but you're part of the family already. I also want to thank Brady. Brady, you're the one that helps me keep the doors open. You're an amazing grant writer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, Shirley, um, 
you're not on the sidelines, surely. You're still part of our family. So thank all of you and thank all of our incredible, beautiful listeners out there. Please keep sharing the podcast. Um, you know, keep listening. I know you guys keep dropping in week after week and give us some beautiful, amazing feedback that we definitely take to heart. And remember this week, be kind to yourself and find a way to be kind to someone else. It's good for your soul.